and welcome to episode 246 of the Samuel and Manuel Movie Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm a Manny Manuel. The sixth annual Sampas, the award show that everyone has been waiting for. You, you may have heard that the Oscars uh, marks the end of award season. Well, you have heard incorrectly. The sixth annual edition of the award show that is sweeping the nation uh, is in effect. We are here. It is time. Uh, back at it again. Manny, don't you love award season? I do. Yeah. And I'll, I'm, like, I'm so excited to do this episode. I'm so excited to move on from 2022. Really? I, I, I know we, we talked about this when we did our top 10. Uh, really good year. Oh, a fantastic year. It's time to let it go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're almost in April here. We're almost at the first quarter. We're in April, and I, there's more months in the year than I've seen in 2023 films. I'm at yeah. two. Yeah. Wow, you watched one this week. That's good. I think. No, I what? Oh, you were one last week, week right? Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did watch one. Yeah, mm. which I won't be talking about because yeah. we don't. We don't talk don't about that here. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm super excited to do this, but I'm really, I really want to get moving forward on this new year. Sweet. Yeah, this will be. I. I know. Uh, we love doing this year in review stuff, compiling statistics, compiling lists. We love it. I think the people love it. I hope they do. I hope they do. <laughs> Really, it's for us. We know Wes and Rachel and Jordan, too. Yeah, outside of that, who the fuck knows? Yeah. It's impossible to know. We basically do a podcast for three other people. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm okay. Five total. I'm okay. <laughs> two, of, yeah. two of them are in the room. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's basically the gist of it. The Sampas are our edition of the Oscars. Yep. We roll at the red carpet for all the guests who don't show up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the the Academy doesn't always get it right, but uh, but we do. So Indeed-o-so. We always know what's going on. We know what time it is. Yep. Uh, so uh, Manny and I will both be giving out our own individual awards today. We'll both be listing our nominees for each category and the individual winner for all the films that came out in 2022 that we saw. Um, Manny, with this being the year 2022 that we're uh, talking about, he goes first in even-numbered years. So he's going to be listing out his noms, then me with mine, and then his winner, and then my winner. Correct. Um, should be noted, there's a couple of categories where we don't have nominees, just winners. Yep. But for the most part, we're going to do uh, nominees, nominees, winners, winners, yep. starting with Manny on each one. Yeah. Did I miss anything? No. Nailed it. I think I nailed it. As always. Yeah. Let's get into it. Sure. It's time for the sixth annual Sampas. Yeah. And there was Ooh. a soundboard of uh, applause and yeah. cheering. Oh, I still don't have a soundboard. <laughs> um, but before we get, we have... Oh, I always forget to count. 12 awards? Uh, something like that. 12? Let's go. You, you didn't take a look? Yeah, okay, cool. you, you sent me the text today. I count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Oh, and we got, well, we got 13 because... Uh, oh, the PFGs? They're kind of two, two Best Picture awards. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so 12. Yeah. 12. 12. Um, we, uh, we always toying with the idea of adding new categories there are none no new categories this year they're yep. all tried and true and ready to go uh we may have a couple uh fresh ideas at the end of the show yeah that yeah. we'll go over but yeah, um 12 categories 12 categories i set the over under for shared winners okay let's hear it two and a half yeah not very many and you know what that's a good number um i i'm just scrolling through real quick to see what we got i may well I may well take the under on that, Manny. So am I. <laughs> I'm taking the under. Yeah. Taking under two and a half shared winners. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, we also like to let our listeners know the uh, pool that we're pulling from. 
obviously it's the movies of 2022, but we can only nominate and win. The winners can only be from films that we've actually seen. So, Sam, you saw 29 films in 2021. How many films are you going to be pulling from for this year, Sampas? We we managed to get that number up to a healthy 32 nice. this year. Nice. 32 movies. Uh, I went from 57 in 2021 to 72 this year. And I had a healthy 32. You had an unhealthy 72. Yeah. It's not yeah. normal. Yeah. But let's get into the awards. The first award of the evening is Biggest Disappointment. Now. A great way to start the show. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> This show's with already negativity. yeah <laughs> with negativity. Um, now this is not worst film of the year. This is our biggest disappointment. This is the movie that we had lofty expectations for, and it just didn't meet those. That sometimes it does not move, mean that this movie was bad. As a past winner of this category for you was Mank, not a, yeah, a not, not a bad a, movie by any no, stretch. Just your expectations were very high, yeah. and it just didn't meet them. And that's what this award is for. Um, last year. Sam's winner was Eternals. Yes, and, and mine. Oh, sorry. In go ahead. retrospect, probably shouldn't have been Eternals, just because I don't know if I had that high of expectations for that movie. Maybe actually, you know, no, what, you, you know what it was? It was Chloe Zhao. I, I was about to say, I'm like, yeah, you did because Chloe, it was Zhao, Chloe Zhao hot off the Oscar for uh for best director. Yeah, and uh, made one of the worst MCU movies to date in this the year 2021. I wonder where I am going to rank that. It's near the bottom. I know I gave it three stars. It's probably two. Oh, wow. It's probably two. Damn. Yeah. Um, my biggest appointment last year was Being the Ricardos, hmm. an Aaron Sorkin uh, written and directed film. Uh, while I still enjoyed it, uh, my expectations were obviously high with it being uh, Sorkin, and it just did not meet those expectations. That's unfortunate. So this year, my... Biggest disappointment was a sophomore effort from a director who I was very excited to see what she could do in her follow-up to the basically perfect film, Booksmart. It's Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry, Darling. Yeah. I should mention, first of all, that this is one of the categories where we're not going to have nominees. Just going to be listing our winners. Yeah. Um, I should further mention that I did <laughs> not watch Don't Worry, Darling this year because it had gotten such bad reviews. Um, it probably would have been my biggest disappointment had I chosen to watch it because it was my most anticipated movie of the year. Yes. And then I called an audible, did not watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I still would love your opinion on it. Yeah. I still, I think I, you I, are going to watch it cause Emma really liked Emma, it. Emma, Emma liked the movie and she said she would like to watch it with me and uh, get my opinion. So I, uh, I will oblige and definitely watch it. I mean, it's got, it's got Florence Pugh in it. Can't be, can't be that bad. It's not a bad movie. What did I give it? I should quickly i feel I, like i remember you giving it a two i remember I'm, seeing on letterbox that you gave it a two and becoming even more concerned than i already was at that point oh my goodness where is this movie it can't be that high it can't be this low <laughs> how come i don't see it on did my you list? forget there it, it is. on your list oh, okay there it is uh it's at number 54 of 72 yeah yeah i, gave, I did give it a two yeah. yeah um it's i won't lie i'm can I let me just take a quick look? I'm, I was actually surprised that it didn't get a production design nomination. Oh, okay. Um, it's also beautifully shot. I don't know if I. Uh, okay, All Quiet, Avatar, Babylon. Ooh. Okay, I, I can't take those three out. Elvis and the Fablements. Ooh. Are you trying to see if you can get it in for production design? I am. Yeah. Ooh, that's gonna be tough. That is tough. That's gonna be tough. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Costuming as well. Like it's. Technically, 
technically, this is. Oh, pardon me. I just burped on there. That was disgusting. Hopefully, that didn't pick. Hopefully, I didn't pick it up. Good stuff. There's another one. Um, technically, don't worry, darling. Is a very well crafted movie. This she just doesn't pull off the story as well as I think she could have. Florence Pugh is really good. Harry Styles is okay. Um, yeah. So it did get a feeling great for me, but I didn't hate it. I don't think I would ever revisit it. Don't worry, darling. My biggest disappointment of 2022. That's a, that's a pretty solid pick. I, uh, I do kind of wish that I'd seen it already, but alas, I did not. Okay. With me not having seen, don't worry, darling. Um, my biggest disappointment was actually a pretty easy pick. And again, a, a movie that I actually liked. Um, it I, it certainly had good moments, had a lot going for it. It just really felt like, given the names that were associated with it, it should have been a lot better. This is the uh, stop-motion animated film, <gasps> Wendell and Wild. Oh. Did you watch that this year? No. Yeah. Uh, it was... It, the reason why I say it, I had such lofty expectations for it is because it was the long-awaited follow-up uh, from Coraline director Henry Selick. Um, so, if my memory is, is serving me right, which I think it is in this case, Henry Selick did not direct a film between 2009's Coraline and 2022's uh, Wendell and Wild. Uh, and Coraline is a film that I think is pretty widely beloved, especially for stop-motion movies. Um, and, of course, uh, directed a number of other ones, in, uh, including uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and the list goes on. Um, additionally, it was written, it was co-written by Henry Selleck and Jordan Peele, and it has Key and Peele in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jordan Peele, of course, um, you know, best known now for being one of the best horror movie directors of our generation. <laughs> um, so I, I was really went in kind of with lofty expectations, and this film was just kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, the screenplay was kind of a mess, if I'm being totally honest, um, mm-hmm. which is really disappointing because the only two writers were Henry Selick and Jordan Peele, both of whom I respect greatly. And uh, whatever it was, they just could not get a suitable screenplay. It seemed like what kind of happened was just they both threw out all their ideas. They both went, what if we did this? What if we did this? What if we did this? And instead of trimming the fat, they just did everything. Oh, wow. They just, every, it seems like every idea they had in that writer's room, like, yep, we'll do that we'll do that and we'll do that and the film is just way over bloated and it's really disappointing to see the animation looks great the Mm -hmm. characters are interesting and memorable and there's a lot of fun being had there's just way too much going on this this script needed needed a lot of rewrites that it just did not get that's unfortunate which is disappointing oh i'm sorry to hear that yeah great start to the show yeah Yeah. Maybe we should switch the next category with this one next year to start off the show. Yeah, I do like that. Start start off bright and then okay. and then crush this crush the energy after that. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna do that. Okay. I'll, we'll start because nope. the next yeah <laughs> the next category is best comedy scene of the year. Uh, my winner last year was the same winner as Sam's. That's right. We shared a winner, and that winner was Coda. The Mm, let's say helmet on the soldier scene. Yeah, I, I have it called. Frank has a talk with Miles, and in parentheses, put a helmet on your soldier. Yeah. Oh God, I want to watch Coda again. <laughs> I can't wait to watch that movie. All right, my nominees for best comedy scene of the year are 
Lightyear, the sandwich scene, mm. the lost city, everything with Brad Pitt. R, R, R. Raju helps Beam meet Jenny. Spirited. Good afternoon. And weird. The Boogie Nights homage scene. Nice. That last one intrigues me. I didn't get to weird this year. I'm sure you know. Yes. That, that intrigues me. Okay. I might be the only one that did. <laughs> uh, my, my nominees for best comedy scene. Oh, I'm excited. The first day of sound shooting. Hello, college from Babylon. Oh, that's a comedy scene? I think it's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> I can I can get on board with there, that. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to warn you. We have three scene categories, or we have three genres of scene category, yeah. I should say. We have uh, a few, which we'll get to later. Um, I was pretty loosey-goosey with what, when and where. Okay. Because a few of them, there was some overlap. I, 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 I don't have a problem with this being in here. I didn't consider it for in here, and now I wish I had. Um. I tried to title this next one as least spoilery as I could. Okay. The first knock at the door in Banshees of Inisherin and the ensuing conversation that uh, Colin Farrell and his sister have. Okay. Yeah. Um, the butt plug fight and everything everywhere all at once. Okay. Again, arguably action. I decided to go for comedy. Um, also from everything everywhere. Hot dog fingers. Good call. Uh, and number five, the drug trip. The L- specifically the LSD trip and the incredible weight of massive talent. <laughs> that was my last cut. <laughs> that was my it's last cut. a great cut. scene, yeah. What's also great about that scene is it's it's getting memed hard. Oh, yeah. The uh, the big smile. Yes. On, uh, <laughs> Pedro Pascal. Yeah, on Pedro Pascal's face yeah. is fucking hysterical. Um, I almost switched this at the last second, but then I had to, rem- I had to remind myself. I, ha- I do have this in comedy scene. This scene didn't really make me... It did make me laugh, but it wasn't like gut-busting, like tear-deucing. It just brought me such joy and happiness. My winner is RRR. Raju helps Beam meet Jenny. Whoa, that's a surprising pick. Yeah. Like, that's a perfectly fine scene. In the grand scheme of that movie, that was not not a particularly notable one for me, if I'm being honest. Well, that's because there's so <laughs> many other incredibly notable yeah, scenes. Yeah, totally. But that whole... like, I'm including that scene where he helps her, and then... Beam and Jenny at the market. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then I'm even going to throw in when Beam and Raju get back together. He talks about the name. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, so, that's fine. I'm, I am extending it, but that's... It just made me so happy that I had to... I had to have that as my winner. Was it the funniest scene of the year? No. But it definitely, definitely made me smile and made me feel good. So it, it's my best comedy scene winner. Okay. I'm going to go with the scene that I can't help quoting in this way. Hello, college. Babylon, the first day of sound shooting, uh, is a is a really funny but also really well-constructed scene. Um, the editing in this scene really uh, really sells it. It's just so fucking chaotic and crazy. It's, it's too much fun to, to not be my winner. Uh, I can't heap enough praise on this scene. And I absolutely love this pick and i no i can't say that <laughs> can i no i can't all right all right all right the next category is another category that has no nominations it is just the winner it is our guilty pleasure 
of the year. We have loose guidelines for this category. We would prefer the movie to have to be kind of not as well reviewed, and that would make it a guilty pleasure. So we'd like to try to pick movies with a meta score below 60, if possible. We're definitely trying to pick movies we like. I didn't go into this scientifically by looking at like any movies that gave a four or above that had a meta score less than 60. I just kind of glanced at the movies I liked, and I'm like, oh, I bet you that one didn't get a good meta score. And the first one I picked had a low meta score, and I'm like, that's my winner. And okay. it's probably... It's got to be my highest ranked one anyways. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. All these other ones definitely have. Okay, so it worked out for me. Your meta score was super fucking high on your top 10 this year. Yeah. So I imagine this probably just fell off the list. This was my number 16. Okay. Okay. My guilty pleasure of the year with a meta score of 50 is Clerks 3. Yeah, there's no surprise there. Yeah. (laughs) That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I I watched that one together. We did. Uh, I love this movie, but... Um, I've had a couple people reach out to me. They're like, hey, is Clerks 3 worth watching? I'm like, did you like Clerks 1 and 2? And if the answer to them is yes, then I'm like, yes, then you'll like Clerks 3. If they're like, ah, it was okay. I'm like, are you a huge Kevin Smith fan? They're like, ah, not really. I'm like, don't bother. It is, he, this is literally made for the fans. Mm-hmm. This is fan service like no other film I've seen. Uh, but... I I'm loved a, I loved your expression that you used one time, which I've stolen many times, which is that Kevin Smith's playing the hits yeah. in this one. He's oh he's he's, he's pandering to his audience. Yep. And, it, and it works. It worked. It, I'm I'm his audience, and it worked on me. Mm-hmm. Sam can attest. I sit, was sitting right next to him the whole time and was giggling throughout. That's factual. Uh, I had a really great time with this movie. It was really touching at in parts because of my love and appreciation for these characters and for Kevin Smith. So uh, I had a great time with Clerk Street. This was the one of the easiest wins uh, mm. in this entire Sampas this year for me. Uh, Clerks three. Uh, nice. Oh, my last year's winner was the Tender Bar. Ah, yes. Uh, with a Metascore fifty three. Mine was uh, was the Oscar Best Picture nominated. <laughs> Don't look up. Yeah. With at that time a Metascore of forty nine. I haven't checked since. Um. So yeah, even though we don't have nominees for this category, I did. I actually struggled with this one a little bit mm-hmm. because it it is a little more free form yep there's not a, a hard guideline for example um i think it's well documented at this point i really liked babylon babylon was a great movie and has a meta score of exactly 60 um so i could have gone with that but i don't feel like that's a guilty pleasure i think I... it's it's a divisive movie so it doesn't quite fit the category as a matter of fact it has a it has a letterboxed rating of 3.9 out of 5 holy fuck so people really like this movie as they should it was just divisive can i ju- can i just quickly jump in yeah are you done talking about babylon yes i am okay i just want to quickly jump in i think babylon is a movie that's only going to get better with age i agree i think in about five to ten years we're going to look back at babylon like that was a misunderstood movie it is a work of art i i Fully fucking agree. I think when we revisit our top ten next year, I bet you Babylon cracks my list. When we when we revisit next year, I bet Babylon's my number one. Oh, yeah, I, I bet it is. <laughs> okay. Um. Sorry, didn't didn't want to cut you off. Yeah. So this is this was. I'm just going through my thought process really. So first, my first instinct was Babylon, but it didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Then I remembered this other movie that I watched with a meta score of fifty, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered way back in March watching Studio 666. All uh, oh, right. Uh, the Foo Fighters film that came out definitely has all the criteria of 
of what we're looking for here. Feels like a guilty pleasure. It's not a good movie, but it's one that I kind of enjoy, one that I will revisit, and one that has a meta score of 50. But I only gave it three stars, and I stand by that three-star rating. So even though I like the film and I like it more than other people, it also doesn't feel right for me. So I, too, chose Clerks 3 nice. for my guilty pleasure of the year because that's the only one for me that ticked all the boxes. Babylon reached the Metascore requirement, but it doesn't feel like a guilty pleasure, as did Studio 666, but I just didn't like it enough. What did you give Clerks 3? I gave it a 4. Did you really? I did. That makes yeah. me so happy. Yeah, I really enjoyed the film. I have now seen all the View Askew movies thanks to this podcast. Do we now have to review Clerks 3? Maybe. Because <laughs> we did all the other View Askew movies. It's possible. I would be open to it. Yeah, right. We can talk about it. Um, but yeah, uh, we had a great time. And honestly, my enjoyment of the film was elevated by the fact that I was sitting next to my friend, my podcast partner, and a huge Kevin Smith stan, uh, Manny Manuel. Mm-hmm. Um getting to watch you enjoy this film heighten my enjoyment of it and yeah there's a ton of heartwarming moments there's some great comedy yeah he's kind of pandering to his audience and if you haven't seen the other clerks movies you probably won't enjoy this one a hundred percent there's no way you could furthermore could you like it would even help not only to see the other clerks movies but to see all the other viewers universe movies yep. and to watch like the bonus material and stuff like that yes that would very much heighten your enjoyment. especially um the documentary the snowball effect yeah which, which I actually haven't seen, but I know a lot of what goes on uh, because of conversations with you and yep. because of conversations on this podcast about those movies. Um, but yeah, this is the only one that really felt like, you know, people didn't love this movie, but I, I really did. I really liked this movie, and uh, and that's why it's my guilty pleasure of the year as well. So you can chalk one up for uh, for the over-under on that one. Got 3.2 on yeah. Letterboxd. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's downright respectable. All right. Whoops. We are now uh, moving on to the worst film of the year. Uh, my winner last year was good on... What is with me burping? <laughs> At least I caught it. Good on paper. Uh, in atrociously horrible film. That was, a, that was a great moment, though, when you said that your worst film was good on paper, and I realized um, <laughs> that I actually hadn't watched 29 movies. I'd watched 30. I just forgot to log it on paper. Yep. And it was that bad that I just forgot. It was a really bad movie. It was uh, atrociously bad. Uh, so yeah, that was my winner. Sam, what was your worst film of the year last Mine year? Mine was a film that I appear to be one of the only people who really hated this movie. Um, I think it's gotten like okay reviews. Um, it's the Eric Andre comedy Bad Trip. I fucking hated that movie so much. It uh, it did not do anything for me. The uh, the sort of pseudo documentary prank show style, loosely connected by a quickly written plot, just did not did not do it for me. And I I just don't think I'm somebody who finds Eric Andre funny. That's fair. I never watched this. So three point three on Letterboxd. I know. I it just did not do anything for me. Have I've, you seen I've, any clips from his show ever? No. He's very cringe humor. I don't know if I have. Yeah. Like, maybe I have, and I didn't realize that's who that was. Mm -hmm. I have a basic understanding of who he is, so maybe I have, but no. If you're like, I'll pay you a million dollars if you can tell me one of the scenes from the show, I'd be like, I'm not winning a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Not for me. All right. My nominees for worst film of the year are Blonde. Let's go a double dip of Anna de Armas as she was also in Deep Water. Oh, Anna. 
Then we had somebody that I misappropriated as one of your boys, as Pete Davidson in Meet Cute. Yeah, I think you're thinking of Wes. Yeah. I think it's Wes. And Wes, then, do you like Pete Davidson? Let me know. Yeah. And then a movie I I don't I can't I don't know if you've seen. It's called Metal Lords. I did see it. Okay. Yes. And the last nominee for Worst Picture is um, Pinocchio. And this is the Robert Zemeckis Pinocchio, not the Benicio Del Toro uh, fascism-filled Pinocchio. <laughs> nice. All right. Those are my nominees for Worst Picture. Sam? My, my Worst Picture nominees are The Atom Project. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's on your list. Maybe controversial here. Lightyear. I, I don't think that's controversial. Hold on. I'm just... Keep going. I'm, okay. Where, where Adam Project, Lightyear, okay. Metal Lords, the yeah. aforementioned Metal Lords. Oh, wow. We have a crossover. The horror film Skinamarink. <laughs> that's a 2022? That's a 2022. Okay. As far as I understand it, if it, I, I'm going to double check right now. Um, and then Wendell and Wild. Oh, wow. The aforementioned Wendell and Wild. Um, I would just like to add um, some of those films I actually like. Uh, and it's really just a testament to the quality of films I watched this year that they're in my bottom five. But something had to be. Okay. I'm... Can, hold on. Uh, so you have, can you read off your nominees just quickly again? Yes, I, th- I do have Skin of Marine because 2022, by the way, okay. on Letterboxd. Okay. Adam Project. Adam Project. Metal Lords, Skin of Marine, Dink. <laughs> Wendell and Wild and Lightyear. Okay, so Wendell Wild's the only one I haven't seen. Okay. okay. So when you announce your winner, if it's not Wendell Wild, I'll be able to tell you where I put it in my... Okay. Awesome. Okay, my winner, um, easily. Again, this is well. I rank all the movies. Thanks to you, I rank all my movies from every year now. From every year. Yeah, I did it for 2021, but then I deleted them after. Then I ju- I just left my top ten. I am gonna keep my uh my full list this year. I think. Oh, I think I can finally make my 2022 list public now. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm gonna wait till the release of this episode. Of this episode? Yes. Oh, interesting. Um. This was easy. It was an atrocity. Uh, it was hard on my eyes. It was hard on my senses. And uh, I'm really not a fan of this story. And that's Pinocchio. Oh, wow. Yeah. Least favorite. I didn't see either of the Pinocchio films that came out this year. Uh, don't. I've heard the uh, Del Toro one's pretty good. If you, Oh, yeah. You like Del Toro. I like some Del Toro. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I... Uh, Pinocchio was a horrible, 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 horrible movie. And it broke my heart because it's Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. All right. Sammy? Who we might be talking about coming up pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> Not might. We are. We are. Yeah. It's, lo- it's locked in. It's locked it was, in. You fucking won me over. Yeah. Mine wasn't as clear cut. I had kind of a two horse race, Ooh. if I'm being honest. I think I told you in a previous episode, I only gave two films two stars this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really between those two. Um, at the end of the day, I had to give it to a film that made the mistake of being cookie cutter, of not being ambitious, and being fucking forgettable. I could barely read, I could barely remember a thing about this film as I was preparing for this episode, and I had to have the misfortune of researching it a little bit to remember all the things I didn't like about it. That is the Adam Project. Wow. Did not care for the Adam Project. Um, I logged this. I checked this before we came on. Uh, logged it on April 1st. We're recording this episode on March 23rd. So it's been almost a year since I've seen it. It is so forgettable. It is so incredibly forgettable. It's Ryan Reynolds in the same role you've ever seen him in, except worse. One of the letterbox reviews I read on this film today was great. Oh, it was, that. It was <laughs> something to the effect of, 
Some studio exec really looked at Ryan Reynolds and said, you know what would be better? If there was two of him and one of them was 12. <laughs> That's what this film is. If you like Ryan Reynolds and you like his shtick, you'll probably like this film. If you don't, as I kind of tend to not outside of specifically Deadpool, you probably won't like this film too much. There's some good moments in it. I'm not saying it's completely devoid of laughs. I did give it a two, but it's just it's just forgettable. What what are you looking at there, Manny? What do you think its letterbox rating is? What do I think? I actually did not check that today. I'm gonna say it's a two point four. Three point one. Really? Yes. People like this movie that much? Yeah. No, not for me, man. Not for me. Was this a Manny Movie Club pick? No. No, I don't think so. I just can't remember why I felt obligated to watch this movie. I think I know why. But can I ask? Yeah. Go ahead. Damn it! I fucking <laughs> laughed. Okay. The bit's over. Hmm. This is what I was going to try and say. Can I ask you a legitimate question? Yes. <laughs> Did you pick the Adam Project because it has Adam in it? <laughs> that's good. That's that's an insider for, for right now. <laughs> Adam and I have been getting into it in the in the group chat recently. Adam Lazanero and I. No, this had nothing to do with that. <laughs> Although now it does. Now it gets one star, actually, because it's called Adam Project. <laughs> I said it too. Um, just in case anyone's curious, the other two-star film I watched this year was Skin of Marink. Uh, it was really close between the two. But at the end of the day, I think I respected Skin of Marink a little bit too much because even though it was boring and I didn't really like it all that much, it's ambitious. It's an independent film and it's lower budget. So I kind of give it a little bit more of a pass. It's kind of supposed to not be as good as the Netflix film, which has one of the biggest Hollywood stars in the world right now with Ryan Reynolds in it, you know? So if I enjoyed them kind of equally, I'll give a little bit more of the independent, a little bit more of a pass to the independent film. Additionally, there's at least one scene in Skin and That's actually really good. Um, even though the majority of it's really, really, really boring. So that's where I'm at. That's why Adam project got the, uh, got the boot here into worst film. Do you want to know where I had it ranked? Yes, please. <clears throat> 60. 60 out of 72. Yeah. So wasn't uh, wasn't quite knocking on the door of your bottom five, but no. certainly wasn't also good. Next up, one of my favorite categories. Always one of the tough ones. Yeah. Man. That's, I, I know oh. we're both going to... Oh, sorry. You, you, read the, you introduce it first. <laughs> introduce it first. <laughs> I'm already excited about this category. <laughs> we have best dramatic scene. Uh, last year... Our, we, our winners were from the same film. and Not the same scene, but within five minutes of each other. Yep. Uh, my winner is uh, from Coda, Ruby singing both sides now at her audition. Which is a great scene. Really and, good scene. And Sam? Uh, the scene that invariably makes me cry the hardest in Coda. <laughs> I have to specify that because there's a few of them that make me cry. Uh, Ruby singing for her dad. Uh, which is a phenomenal scene also a phenomenal <laughs> scene what i was going to say earlier is that this scene or this uh, this category excuse me is really exciting to me there's always a bunch of good ones always a bunch of tough cuts and i bet a bunch of the i bet there's at least a few nominees in there from you that i've just forgotten about that i'm gonna go oh that's a great pick how could i forget that cool all right my nominees for best dramatic scene are from Babylon. Manny goes to see Singing in the Ring. Nice. From Devotion. Jesse talks to himself in the mirror. Did not see that film. Don't. That is literally the only good thing 
in the movie. Okay. And it was, I won't lie, it's probably a little recency bias, but it was so powerful, I wanted to include it. Mm-hmm. The Fablemans. Sam shows his mom the home video. From Marcel, the shell with shoes on, the sock drawer. And from Tar, the Juilliard scene. Very nice. Very nice picks. Okay. My picks, my nominees for Best Dramatic Scene. From All Quiet on the Western Front, the uniforms getting recycled. From the Banshees of Sharon, the closing conversation. Anytime. Okay. Uh, from Everything Everywhere All at Once, Wayman's monologue. We need to be kind. Uh, from the Fablemans, the hallway conversation at prom. <gasps> nice. Uh, and from Marcel the Shell, Marcel sees the city for the first time. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm very. I'm really happy with those nominees, honestly. Really Excellent. That category. My winner, while cutting it down to these five, this was a surprisingly kind of easy pick. No, I shouldn't say that. But I'm really happy with my selection because I think it's the kind of scene that just exemplifies everything that you want from a dramatic scene, and that's the Juilliard scene in Tar. Mm. Yeah, it was a last-minute cut for me. It was on the short list for sure. Yep. Uh, I... I'm just trying to decide if I want to make a last-minute call. No, I think I'm going to stick with my initial gut feeling. There was one scene in here that really affected me, and it did so without the use of dialogue. It's the uniform recycling scene from the beginning of All Quiet on the Western Front. Nice. It really stuck with me and really encapsulated the overarching theme of the film uh, in a way that I really didn't see coming. Uh, So kudos to the filmmakers on that one. So for me, um, this is the third year that we've done Best Dramatic Scene. Or at least the third year I have it kept track of. Uh, It breaks the two-year running streak of me crying in the Best Dramatic Scene. (laughs) Sorry, uh, what was your winner? I didn't write it down. Uh, The Juilliard Scene from Tar. Right, of course, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Next up, we have Best Villain. The Bats ba- Memorial. The Bats Memorial Trophy, that's right. <laughs> uh, all right. My winner last year was uh, from the movie The Harder They Fall, Idris Elba playing Rufus Buck. Sam, your winner for 2021 was? I went with one. Uh, I almost wonder if this should be best new villain, but I w- <laughs> No. <laughs> no, that would, be, that would be too hard. And uh, frankly... It would have taken the award away from uh, my winner last year, uh, Green Goblin, as portrayed by Willem Dafoe in Spider-Man No Way Home. Excellent. All right. My nominees for Best Villain of 2022 are Colin Farrell as the Penguin in The Batman. I'm probably going to butcher this man's name, so I'll try my best, but I believe it's pronounced Tanakh Horta as Namor in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Wagner Mora as Wolf in Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Aaron Taylor Johnson as Tangerine in Bullet Train. Oh, good one. Good one. And Robert Zemeckis himself (laughs) for making Pinocchio. (laughs) Nice. Pinocchio. Great. It's a great pick. (laughs) 
Okay, my picks for best villain. Yes. Gore the God Butcher, Christian Bale, Thor Love and Thunder. Excellent selection. Pearl, as portrayed by Mia Goth in X. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprised? Maybe I shouldn't be surprised this isn't on there. Jobu Tupaki, Stephanie Hsu, Everything Everywhere All at Once. The Prince, as portrayed by Joey King in Bullet Train. Nice. Nice. Uh, and potentially controversial, but I went back and forth on whether to include this, and I decided to go for it. Jean Jacket from Nope. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. <sighs> All right. My winner in, again, what was easily – well, I shouldn't say easily. This was an easy pick for me. This was my winner. I just had to find four other nominees to lose to this person. It's Wagner Mora as Wolf in Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yeah, you said – Running – away you said uh right from the get-go when you watched this film you're like there's a there's a really strong candidate for best villain in this film and i never got around to seeing it so uh yeah i'm gonna have to, gonna have to <sighs> he's so fucking cool so fucking cool yeah mm-hmm. easy winner for me uh, mine was also an easy winner um there was never anyone that was going to rival jobu tupaki from everything everywhere all at once for me i think stephanie shu's performance is so good especially the way that she flips between uh jobu tupaki and joy um and i i just thought it was such an interesting character and so well realized on screen uh as far as the visual language being used like if uh if we were to ever do like a best character intro uh, come on, Stephanie Shu's first scene as Jobu Tupaki, or first scene where you see her face as Jobu Tupaki, uh, where she's uh, fighting a couple of the security guards. That would have to be one of them. In all honesty, I think Wagner Morrow might win as well. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that must be one hell of an introduction then. I'm just trying to remember because there is some... Uh, is that a spoiler? Not really. There's a sound that occurs that announces his presence that is that is diegetic that the characters can hear that is at the in my opinion the reason it's so cool is it's at the same level of the theme of of the shark in jaws like it that sound comes before you see him so you know he's coming when that sound is coming so it fills you with dread yes i love that but the characters can hear it as well yeah so, so their reactions kind of play into the whole, uh, into the dread of the thing. That's cool. That's really cool. Fuck, I'm gonna I wanna, need to watch this fucking movie. I want to watch it again. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't wait to watch it again. Just literally, honestly, for for Wagnamora as Wolf, and for somebody that's in the next category. Honestly, kind of surprised that neither of us uh, nominated Scarlet Witch. That was a last minute cut from from my from my Fuck, list. In all honesty, she slipped my mind. Oh yeah. Uh, she was a la- the last cut for me. I had to decide between her or Jean Jacket. So, what was Scarlet Witch? I could have put her in over Robert Zemeckis, but I really like that joke. Yeah, that's, no, that's a great joke. I'm glad you did the joke. If I have to, if I had to drop uh, a nominee for that joke, I would have done the same thing. Um, do you think I'm off base putting Jean Jacket in there? I, I no, because like a an animal being thing. Like it, it is the main antagonist of the movie. Jean Jacket is the main antagonist of Nope and is doing bad things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's good. Works for me. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Next up, we have best vocal performance. So this is somebody that is providing just the voice on a character, either in animation or motion capture. 
and my are you just seeing who you who you picked to win last year yeah. no i well, oh. that too that's a oh. great thing i'm pretty sure just go. Okay. Years. Uh, my winner last year was Olivia Coleman as Pal in Mitchell's versus the Machines. Sam, your winner was? My winner was Socko from Bo Burnham's Inside, a pick that I very much stand behind. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, for those of you wondering, that is the son of Mr. Socko. Yes. Yes. Uh, my nominees for Best Vocal Performance of 2022 are Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear in Lightyear. Mm-hmm. Wagner Mora as Wolf, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Florence Pugh as Goldilocks in Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Oh. Jenny Slate as Marcel, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. And I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this person's name right as well. Peter Son as Socks, Lightyear. I, my five for best vocal performance. Mm-hmm. Keegan-Michael Key as Wendell in Wendell and Wild. Mm-hmm. Sandra Oh as Ming Lee in Turning Red. Isabella Rossellini as Nana Connie nice. in Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Yep. We did say we were going to include motion capture. So Zoe Saldana in Avatar The Way of Water. You pick Zoe Saldana out of the everyone in there. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. And Jenny Slate as Marcel. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. All right. My winner. In what might be an upset, considering over what I've been saying, my winner is Jenny Slate as Marcel in Marcel the Shells with Shoes On. What I was grinning ear to ear when we introduced this category, uh, and Manny was kind of curious. Um, the reason I was grinning is because I knew this is going to be another one where we overlapped because I too have Jenny Slate <laughs> as Marcel <laughs> and Marcel the Shell of Shoes on. But actually, as you were reading your nominees, I was like, oh, maybe he is going to go with, uh, with Wagner Mora is the character's name. That's right. Yeah. I thought maybe you uh, you might uh, upset me. But yeah, uh, it's definitely Jenny Slate. Yep. Um, I did want to point out the other performance I was talking about is Florence Pugh as Goldilocks is really fucking good. Man, is there anything Florence Pugh can't do? No, no. She has a movie coming out, I think, this week with Morgan Freeman. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. I have no idea what it's about. I want to go just because the two of them are in it. I think you should. Uh, I do want to give a shout out um, to Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear. He was really good. Yeah, you know what? I uh, He was a last-minute cut for me. I kind of had to decide between him and Sandra Oh uh, for Turning Red. I love that pick. Uh, I, I like both of those equally. It's just been a minute since I've seen Lightyear, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest. I think he probably could have gotten on there. Yeah, I, I just... I just thought he did – at no point did I ever think that – I'm like, oh, this should be Tim Allen. No, he, I never felt that. Yeah, he I know felt what you're saying. He, the voice and his tone and pitch was close enough for me where I, I it didn't occur to me that I wasn't listening to – that I wasn't listening to Tim Allen. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. And even if there was a difference, I think even within the universe, they kind of do a good job of explaining like Buzz Lightyear that we've come to know and love from Toy Story – is a toy version of this character. And if you've ever owned an action figure that speaks, you know the voice can kind of sometimes be not yep. not 100%. Yep. So, I'm fine. Another category. Well, I love all these categories. <laughs> these are all so good. But I think it's... I think the reason I like these categories so much is that I really love hearing your picks. I actually don't get as excited for mine as I do hearing yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is our best action scene of 2022. Uh, my winner 
last year was the skyscraper fight in Shang-Chi. Mine was the sandworm swallowing the harvester from Dune. A beautiful scene. I can't wait to rewatch that movie. Yeah, gonna have to when uh, when Dune 2 comes out. Yeah, November? Yeah. All right. I was actually thinking of rewatching Dune. I think I'm just gonna wait until November. Yeah. All right, my nominees for best action scene in 2022 are Avatar, The Way of Water, The Whale Rescue, hmm. or whatever they're called. Takan? Takan? Something like that. Okay. Uh, the Northman. The Final Fight at the Volcano. Good one. Prey, The Predator versus the Trappers. RRR, Beam and Animals Crash the Party. And Top Gun Maverick, Maverick versus his students. I like all of that. Uh, my nominees, best action scene. The Shooting Silent Movies Montage. From Babylon, <laughs> which I did decide to leave an act. I think that's a, a fair assessment of an action scene. Also, wait, so the same scene that you had as comedy? I didn't have that as a comedy scene. I don't think. Did I? Shooting? Oh, shooting the silent films. The, in the, the silent films in the in the field. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Action. All right. Okay. I believe me, Manny. I'm pretty loosey goosey with the definition of action in this. Just you wait. Okay. <laughs> That's loosey goosey, but I'm not offended by it. Okay. Okay. Also, a scene very heavy on the action, in my opinion. <laughs> the tracking shot through the party, beginning of Babylon. Yeah, that's loosey-goosey. <laughs> okay. We get slightly less loosey-goosey for the next couple. Okay. Loosey-goosey, but I'm, again, I'm not offended by it. Yeah. The abduction from Nope. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. You could have put that in dramatic. Yeah. I, there was a few of these that I, I really, like, um, Everything Everywhere All at Once is a good example, where, like, a lot of the action scenes are also comedic. So uh, there, there was a lot of category overlap here, and I decided to go with the strategy where I'm leaving one scene only in one category. Okay. Um, so the abduction from Nope is my third nomination. Um, the arrest from RRR. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and again, Lucy Goosey. <laughs> Natu Natu from RRR. Fucking love it. I thought you might like that. Love it. Uh, my winner, uh, in what was hard to pick, but I decided to go with one again that made me feel something, that gave me a reaction that I liked. So my winner is Top Gun Maverick, Maverick versus his students. A last, I think that was my last cut mm-hmm. from from this. Um, there, I'm still kind of flipping a coin in my head. I'm kind of between two. Uh, I am going to go with. Mm, I'm going to go with the abduction. Oh wow! I, yeah, I didn't see that coming. I'm going to go with the abduction. I was the other one I was considering was the arrest. And Manny, you and I watched RRR together. Yes. And you told me before, like if you make it to the scene of the arrest and you're not on board with the movie, we should just watch something else because yep. you're just not going to like the rest of the movie. And I said to you that might be one of the best looking action scenes I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I decided to not go with that, which I'm questioning now. But the abduction in Nope is. One of the most effective scenes of horror. I literally have the hair on the back of my neck standing up just talking about it. It's one of the most effective scenes of horror I've ever seen in a film. It's so fucking uncomfortable and well shot and well realized. It comes at such a pivotal moment in the film. Uh, there's so much to like about it. It's It was truly a treat to see in the theater. So I, I, I feel good about my pick with the abduction. 
but man, the arrest was also such a good looking scene. Awesome. Good for you. Great pick. I know how much you love that movie. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we have best male performance. Now, we don't split our category into leading and supporting. We... Mostly because I was sick of trying to figure out the difference. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> That, and we also just want to streamline things a little bit. Yep. Um. By the way, sorry, I oh. didn't write down your answer again for action scene. Oh, Top Gun Maverick. Maverick, yeah. Maverick versus the students. Gotcha. Um, I actually forgot to mention this beforehand, and I'm very glad that you actually took the under uh, on our over-unders. Um, I'm going to do probably do this going forward. My male performance and female performances, if you're nominated for an Oscar, you're ineligible for this. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So no, so there's no Lydia Tarr. There's no Lydia Tarr. Interesting. Nope. Um, the reason I, I want to do this going forward is you and I had planned on doing an Oscar recap. I think going forward we might – do a little bit more an Oscar-y episode. Mm-hmm. And they're getting enough praise and stuff throughout all the fucking award season as it is. I want to start highlighting people that aren't getting nominated. That's awesome. So going forward in the Sampas, all of my performance, my male performance, female performance, they will all be non-nominees. I may follow suit on that. Um, for now, I have Oscar nominated. Yep. I- I've included both, but yeah. Uh, and I-, I-, I also know that might be... A little bit harder with you because you don't see as many movies as I do, but you I, you have been making an effort for the current years to be watching quite a few, mm-hmm. uh, especially as we get you know to the top 10. So I think you should be able to do that if it's something you wanted. Yeah. Uh, I'm not like I'm not forcing you to do it. Uh, it's just a choice that I made last year, and I've decided I just want to stick with it. That's totally respectable. Okay, so my nominees for best male performance are... Nicholas Cage as Nicholas Cage in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Sweet. Uh, Tom Cruise as Maverick in Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, shouldn't be surprised. Felix Kammerer as Paul Bomber in All Quiet on the Western Front. Mm. Gabriel LaBelle as Sam Fableman, The Fablemans. And Daryl McCormick as Leo Grand in Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Dude, I've seen all of those. Those are some top-notch picks. I'm very happy with your... With your nomination. Thank you. That's fucking awesome. Thank you. Um, I, like I said, uh, did make the decision to have Oscar-nominated Oscar, no- Oscar nominated people in mind. Um, but we have, uh, for best male, for, best male performance, Ran Sharan as Raju in yeah. RRR. Fuck yeah! That was, Col- my, that was my last cut, by the way. Colin Farrell, Banshees of Inisherin. Great call. Brendan Fraser as Charlie in The Whale, which you didn't see. Nope. Um, Gabriel LaBelle, Sammy, Sammy Fableman. All right, Fableman. crossover. And uh, Kiwi Kwan as Waymond and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Nice. Nice. Uh, my winner, uh, I kind of went a little bit back and forth, and I kind of left this until just this week, uh, and then I realized that this is easy. This is my winner. Um, it's Gabriel LaBelle as Sam Fableman in the Good. Fablemans. Good, yeah. I, honestly, we talked about this uh, when the Oscars were on. Um, get it but i kind of don't really disappointed with the oscar buzz around him it kind of seems like with best actor candidates um the youngest best actor winner of all time is adrian brody who i think won at like age 29 or something which yep. is shockingly old for an institution that's almost 100 years old yeah um flip side you look at the best actress category and there's so many young winners yep and very few older winners so yeah. it really seems like uh, Pretty stark evidence of the Academy being like an old boys club. Yep. Um, very few male winners over full, over 40. It's no coincidence that Leo won 
in his 40th year on planet earth um there was all this buzz about him never getting an oscar and then he turns 40 wins an oscar anyway so it's it's no secret that the academy is an old boys club they do not value youth unless you're an attractive young woman in yep. which case they very deeply value youth we will start to see that change yep you, we could, we've already seen a slow change in the academy well case in point jamie lee curtis yep yeah yeah <laughs> but also michelle yo yep totally was she 45 yeah in her 40s at any rate yep um yeah so my winner gave her a little bell cool I, and, and i love that pick thank um, you my winner uh i'm gonna i'm gonna be a bit of a conformist and stick with the oscar uh kiwi kwan as wayman and everything everywhere all at once all right I'm uh, just copying down yours. Gabriel LaBelle as Sammy Fableman. God, that really is a good pick, though. Thank you. I'm glad we both had him as a, as a nominee, at least. Me too. Some crossover. Yeah. Uh, best female performance. <laughs> My winner last year was Florence Pugh as Yelena Belova in Black Widow. Yeah, and written down for my best winner, I have, uh, this, this is what it says verbatim, Ariana DeBose, West Side Story, parentheses, but really it's Florence Pugh. <laughs> <laughs> I think when I nominated her, I think you were very, not shocked, but you're like, oh, I didn't think of it. Yeah. I think if Between I remember correctly. Between her and uh, Ruby and Coda, I just completely spaced on this category last year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I just completely, I didn't nominate either of them. And uh, yeah, Florence Pugh for Black Widow really would have been my, my winner. Awesome. But yeah. But who uh, was no, your winner? Oh, no, shade, Ari- no shade to Ariana DeBose. No, he was exceptional in West so Side Story. So good. I really want to watch West Side Story again. Yeah. All right. My nominees for, and again, to remind everybody listening, uh, there are no Oscar nominees in my uh, categories. If you would like to know if we include an Oscar nominees, I've made it <laughs> no secret that Kate Blanchett as Tar, in my opinion, is the hands-down best performance of the year, regardless of gender. Yeah. But she got nominated for an Oscar. Didn't win. Here are my nominees for best female performance. Uh, Jesse Buckley as Marish in, I think it's Marish, in Woman Talking. Uh, Viola Davis as Naniska in The Woman King. Chloe East as Monica Sherwood in The Fablemans. That's the girlfriend. Right. Uh, Margot Robbie as Nellie Leroy in Babylon. Love the pick. And Emma Thompson as Nancy Stokes in Good Luck to You, Leo Grant. Manny, Manny, man, you're killing it with the performance categories. My nominees, including Oscar-nominated performances, mm-hmm. are Kate Blanchett as Lydia Tarr Nice. Tar. Fuck, I love that movie. Jamie Lee Curtis and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yep, yep. Margot Robbie as Nellie Leroy in Babylon. Love it. Emma Thompson as Nancy Stokes in Good Luck to You, Leo Grant. Some crossover. And Michelle Yeoh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. So Emma Thompson's the only one that... Oh, no, you had Margot Robbie as well, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh. Basically, the, three that, or the two that I had that weren't nominated for Oscars, we had overlap. So Sweet. My winner... I, I, before I announce my winner, this was a really good year for female performances. Totally. It's getting We're trending better. in the right direction. Yes, we Absolutely. definitely are. Uh, my winner is Emma Thompson as Nancy Stokes. I knew it. And good luck to you. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking knew it. And I'm really happy with that pick. What a great performance. What a great film. I feel like this is going to be one of those ones that we talk about as like an underappreciated gem for this I year. I agree. I feel like I haven't heard a lot of buzz about this film outside of our little movie chat group. Um, really, I've, really great movie. I've been pushing this movie on people. Like people, 
come up to me or have asked me like, oh, what's a, like I need a movie. I'm like, this is one of the ones. I actually the two I'm recommending. I'm pushing hard on people are Good Luck to You, Leo Grant, and Marcel Lachelle. Yeah, me too. <laughs> totally, Wicked. me too. I think people are the people who are prone to liking Marcel Lachelle are kind of aware of it. Generally, mm-hmm. I have gotten the impression that not many people have heard of Good Luck to You, Leo Grant. I agree. So I've been trying to do some legwork there as well, um, trying to get people to watch it because it's really fucking good. If you want a really good. Um, touching um rom- I, I don't know what you would even call that it's like a it's like a comedy it's like it's a dramedy i guess comedy drama i wouldn't quite call it a romantic comedy but it's kind of in that world um where the performances are both great both from a oh. legend and emma thompson and uh a promising up-and-comer from john mccormick um yeah good luck to you leo grand highly recommended both mine and manny's eighth favorite film of the year yep lined up on our list just before you reveal your winner mm-hmm. I had a little bit of an uncomfortable situation with uh, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Why's that? I can't remember where I was, but I was there with, I think, I know that a couple of my, oh, yeah. I was up at my aunt's place uh, for a uh, a sledding party, and I was in the kitchen with uh, two of my aunts and a, a one other possibly oh yeah one other older woman in her 50s or 60s no definitely her 60s and uh and and another younger woman and then a couple of my cousins and we were talking about movies and i said you guys should watch this movie good luck to you leo grand and one of my aunts and her friend who were both older both talked about it and then both talked about how much they enjoyed it graphically <laughs> <laughs> and made quite a lot of sexual references that left me a little uncomfortable. That's awesome. That's really fun. That's a good story. Um, for those, I, mean, I guess we really didn't touch on this explicitly. If anyone who knows us personally and has talked about this movie with us knows this already. Yeah. But good luck to you, Leo Grand is a very sex positive movie. Very sex ways in very. Oh. Heavy. Um, the plot basically is an older woman, Emma Thompson, hires a sex worker. Yep. And they have to work out the nuances of that situation and become comfortable with each other. It's very small, very intimate film. Yep. Um, but very sex positive and very, very heavy on the on the sexual language and the sexuality and the nudity and all that. So yep. you have to be uh, have to be prepared for that. <laughs> and Manny in a room full of his aunts recommended the film and it was discussed. <laughs> and then discussed was also what he felt at yeah. the time. I was like, didn't need to know that. Didn't need to know that (laughs) about my aunts. Okay. Best female performance for me. Um, I love your pick, Emma Thompson. I'm going a different direction, even though I had her nominated. I'm, of course, going with Kate Blanchett as Lydia Tarr in Tarr. Um, Listen, I will still go to bat for Michelle Yeoh winning the Oscar over Kate Blanchett. I don't personally think it's as big of a catastrophic upset as some people named Manny have made it out to be. Uh, I do, unfortunately, think they got it wrong. I think uh, Kate Blanchett's performance is one for the ages. Total shout out. All the women in this category, super good. Um, all the women all the women in the Oscar category are good, except I didn't see the one, uh, Andrew Riseborough. I didn't see that yeah. performance. I certainly don't envy the Oscar voters this year um, for, for their decision, because it was tough enough for me, <laughs> and I'm just some guy. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, it has to be Kate Blanchett for me. Oh God, I love this! I love doing this show so much. We do, we do need more categories because we get through them so quickly. I know. <laughs> All right, uh, the second to last award we hand out is best scene. Uh, we had 
our winner last year uh, was from the same film, but different scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my winner last year for best scene was uh, from Coda. Ruby singing both sides now at the audition. And, and Sam, your winner? Mine was once more <laughs> Ruby singing for her dad. All right. My nominees for best scene of 2022 are Babylon, making a talkie for the first time. Oh, beautiful. The Fablemans, Sam shows his mom the camping movie. Hmm. The Fablemans, Sam shows his school the ditch day movie. Hmm. R, 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 not to, not to. <laughs> Shit. And Tar, Lydia Tar at Juilliard. All great picks. Man, this, the best scene category <laughs> is always so tough. I don't envy your decision, and I also don't envy my own decision. These are my choices. Excellent. For nominees, best scene of the year. From All Quiet on the Western Front, the recycling of the uniforms. Yep. From Babylon, the first day of sound shooting. Uh, from Everything Everywhere All at Once, the Waymond monologue, We Need to Be Kind. From Nope, the abduction. <laughs> from RRR, the arrest. Nice. Those are the picks. Manny, you go ahead and list your winner and do take your time because I'm going to need a minute. I don't need time because this was my winner going in. Easily the best scene of the year for me. I've rewatched this scene over 20 times. Wow. And that is Natu Natu from RRR. Yeah, not a surprise. This scene surprise. makes me so happy. I wanted to include it in either action or comedy, but I just decided I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to give it best scene of the year. Everyone else can be the runner up, and yeah. I'll give awards to somebody else. Uh, this scene. This song fills me with joy. It was at this point when I was watching the movie, I'm like, this is going to be a movie I will watch all the time. I don't care that it's three hours. This whole movie fills me with such joy. I was having such a good time with this movie prior to this scene, but this scene took it to another level. Yeah. Like I wasn't expecting this. A musical number in the middle of this action film. That is... So incredibly entertaining, so incredibly fun, so funny, and the ending is so touching when Raj pulls the perfect wingman move. Yeah, that, that's, yeah the, the conclusion to this scene is really top-notch. It is so touching. The choreography is so Ugh. fucking standout. I don't know if this is just a thing we're missing in western uh, in western films or if this is just how all films are over in uh in is tollywood tollywood yeah Tolly, not bollywood tollywood yeah. is where this uh where this was produced um i don't know if this is the norm over there if it is i gotta watch more fucking tollywood films same the choreography in this scene is nothing short of spectacular and it's all in camera so you know that it's our leads I don't know if it's just a part of the culture over there that performers are expected to be able to sing and dance and act and do whatever, but holy shit, these are some talented individuals. Yeah. Further to that, um, while this person would not make and did not make my best villains shortlist of the year, the minor villain we have in this scene <laughs> is this so... This is the only scene he's in, isn't it? I think so. <laughs> he might be at the party. Yeah. He's so fucking smarmy and just so... 
unapologetically British. Yes. <laughs> just so disgusting. He, look, he looks like a rat. Yeah. And uh, he's just... He's fantastic. His reactions in the scene, his attempts at uh, joining this dance battle are all so good. I really respect your choice awesome. not to not do. And I kind of wish I had it in my best scenes of the year. But <laughs> I've got five other good ones. You to, do. Uh, you do. To uh, decide from, which I will do now. Okay. Best scene of the year. Um, again, nominees, recycling uniforms, uh, first day of sound shooting, the Wayman monologue, the abduction, and the arrest. God damn it. Um... You know what, man? I'm just going to follow my instinct on this one. Uh, for me, I think I normally... I, I normally follow in your footsteps and give it to the one that made me cry, which is uh, which is the Wayman monologue. I cried when Wayman, uh, Wayman gave his monologue about being kind to one another. It was such a beautiful scene. I'm going to not go with it. <laughs> Do it. I'm going to give it to the first day of sound shooting. I nailed it. The first day of sound shooting from <laughs> Babylon is... One of the most joyous experiences I had in a movie theater this year. I think it's one of the scenes that this film will be remembered for. 100%. When we look back on this, we're going to be like, how did a film with this scene in it not get more recognition? It's not only fucking gut-bustingly hilarious, it's so insanely well-made. Margot Robbie's acting in the scene is fucking hilarious and amazing and chaotic and crazy. Oh man, everything about this scene, the conclusion, like the there's the big thing that happens at the end of the scene, which you kind of see coming, but even so just feels amazing. You forget about for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> but as soon as it's about to happen, you're, you're like, like, "Oh, this is about to happen." Yep. <laughs> and it doesn't doesn't detract from it at all. No, it like it honestly makes it better kind of because you know it's coming and you're dreading it, but you're also laughing. Oh man, the emotions you go through watching this scene. Uh, it's a flurry. Are similar to Natu Natu. Yes. It's a flurry. <laughs> it's chaotic. It's beautiful. I feel good about this pick. I feel really good about this. I, I love that you picked this. This is what I hoped you were going to go with uh, out of everything. Awesome. All right. It's time for our last award of the night. Our favorite film of the year. Not the best. Our favorite. Favorite. Uh, we have picked the same winner the last two years so have the pfgs it has been a sweep across the board in 2020 it was palm springs across the board as favorite film of the year 2021 coda sweeps across the board now you and i both know that that will be impossible this year yes we do because we have already revealed our top 10 films of the year last week Mm -hmm. but what sam doesn't know is who the PFGs have chosen yes. as our favorite films. Our past and future guests have so generously submitted their lists. Yes. Manny has used his top secret sauce yep. and calculating system. 12, to... 12 herbs and spices. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he, is, he does not show me how the hot dogs are made. Nope. Uh, but he does make them and uh, pumps out uh, awards yeah. to uh, to the past and future guests. But before list. we get to the PFGs, which is how we end every year, we will reveal our winners. So... My nominees for favorite film of the year of 2022 are Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fablemans, Prey, R, 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 and Top Gun, Maverick. Cool. Sam, your nominees are? All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Nope, R, R, R. My favorite film of the year 
as of right now, hmm. which I am already calling I know will change by next year. It's going to be overtaken by my number two. Uh, but as of right now, my favorite film of the year is Top Gun Maverick. A perfectly reasonable pick. Yep. Mine, I'm actually also wondering if it might change. I've, I think it will. I think it probably will, especially because I have every intention of watching the other one with Emma because she hasn't seen it yet. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and I think when that happens, that'll probably be the deciding moment. Um, but for right now, I am really excited about everything everywhere all at once. Nice. And I'm still riding that high of uh, the high from Oscar season and watching this film, getting the recognition that I feel it deserves. Which leads us to the last award of the night, the PFG's winner for favorite film of the year. The nominees are Babylon, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, R, 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 and Top Gun Maverick. And the winner, and Sam, what was the closest? Really? The closest it's ever been the winner is top gun maverick no way yes way. Oh, i really thought everything <laughs> everywhere was gonna take it no top gun top gun maverick is the pfg's favorite film of the year i know right now wes is losing his mind <laughs> <laughs> i have to imagine okay everything everywhere would have been the runner-up i imagine yes yeah, yeah. very uh, nice that wraps up this year's sampas now before we go uh, Sam and I love doing the Sampas every year. Oh, this is fun. That it's, is a staple. It's so it's much fun. Um, we always talk about maybe adding new categories. Uh, Sam uh, has did some research <laughs> and found uh, some more categories that we discussed prior to recording, but we're going to offer them up now. We would love to hear anybody's opinions on these categories. I have some other ones I'm going to offer in as well. Uh, we pop, we're not going to get into the same discussion we did yeah, off yeah. air. I'd say we probably withhold most of our opinions on these just to not influence the people. Yep. The people's opinion. People's opinion. <laughs> um, but we're going to offer up some ideas for some new categories. Let us know what you think. And then Sam and I will probably discuss this maybe later this year or something like that. Yeah, totally. All right, Sam, what are you, the ones that you uh, have? The first one that I'm going to start with, because I already kind of teased it earlier, was uh, I think best character intro mm -hmm. is, a, is a really good idea. Uh, a couple other ones I'm just going to kind of fire off. Yeah. Uh, got best animal scene. We would have some interesting candidates I for. I think off the top of my head, my winner would probably be Beam and the Animals Crashing the Party. Uh, it would be close. Maybe Raccoonie for me. Yeah. <laughs> would be a good one this year. It's fair. Um, best needle drop. Uh, instantly what comes to mind for me is Under Pressure from uh, uh, After Sun. Yep. That scene. Uh, for me, my winner probably would have been what... I don't know what the song... I can't remember what the song was, but the song playing over top of Top Gun, uh, Maverick, when Maverick and his students are, are... When he's fighting his students. It's not the Lady Gaga song, is it? No, I don't think so. Okay. No, that's a ballad. This yeah. was an action song. Right, okay. Um, best... Uh, okay, best needle drop is what I just read. Uh, best shot. And I don't mean, like, the best shot film. I mean the best individual shot from a film. Yeah. Um, such candidates might include the final shot of the Fablemans. That would be off the top of my head, my winner. Yeah, that would be a really good one. Um, the shot from the the inside from the abduction scene yep. uh, in uh, nope. in Nope would have been another candidate for me. Um, all these cat so those are the four categories that I kind of came up with. Mm -hmm. um, stole from other sources. <laughs> <laughs> um, not saying we're gonna use all these. All of them kind of have their own pros and cons. Um, 
Manny and I already discussed these off air, but I'm curious um, what you, the listener, might think of these. Um, and Manny, you have a couple more categories as well, I right? do have a, a bunch, um, but they're ones I, I thought of before and just never brought up to you. Um, very similar to your needle drop, I have best diegetic moment. Mm. Uh, and then best juvenile performance. Okay. So somebody maybe teenager or younger. Okay. Um, best creature, similar to the best animal scene, but just best creature across right. the board. Best death scene. Oh, also good. Yeah. Um, and then this is something uh, I heard bandied about on another podcast, or I was talking about with somebody else. I can't remember. But splitting up the performances the way that they do the screenplays. So best original performance mm. and best adapted performance. So, so when you're playing somebody that already exists. Or or based on a real character. Or based on a so real like, character. So like for me, Sammy Fableman would fall into adapted performance because even though he's not named Steven Spielberg, he's kind of Steven Spielberg. Yeah, where right? Lydia Tarr would be an original performance. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's yeah. very cool. So um, uh, I just actually uh, remembered another one that I forgot to write down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, similar to your best juvenile performance, mm-hmm. this one could maybe be a little more open-ended. Best newcomer or best debut? Um, so we wouldn't necessarily need to reserve that for um, like for somebody who whose absolute first role it was, but maybe somebody's breakout. Breakout would be another. another there word. is a breakthrough performance award, I think, given at the Independent Spirit Awards or somewhere else, and maybe the MTV Music Awards. But a breakthrough performance, mm-hmm. I like that because yeah. like debut is hard. Yeah. Um, but like breakthrough, like. Like Gabriel LaBelle, uh, I think by any stretch, by any measure, would be a breakthrough performance this year. But it was not his debut. Um, so, And he's also technically not a newcomer. So the, the nomenclature matters, but I would want to recognize that kind of performance. Amber it, Mid-Thunder and Prey would be a good one for me. Mm-hmm. Felix Kammerer, All Felix Quiet. Felix Kammerer would be a really good one, yeah. Uh, Daryl McCormick. Oh, totally. All See, those are the types of performances that I would, I would, really, want, uh, that I would really want recognized. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be a fun uh, one. What else could we even do in here? Um, I was trying to see if there was any like um, directorial additions we would want in there. Um, has Dean Fleischer Camp done anything? The guy who did Marcel? I don't think so. No idea. Yeah. It doesn't look like he's done any other real major motion pictures. Mm. I don't think. Well, if we do best breakthrough performance, can we just? can that just be any? Like, well, it could be a director or... If it's, if it's breakthrough performance, then yeah, obviously just keep it to acting. But if it's best breakthrough, we could maybe leave the door open for directorial debuts or... I'd or be open that to nature. that. Yeah. To making breakthrough anything we wanted. Mm-hmm. Like, it could be somebody doing a, a breakthrough score for the first totally. time. Like... <clears throat> or a cinematographer who just makes a beautiful film on his first go or something like that. Like, I think... Like Trent Reznor doing the score for the Social Network. Yeah, that'd be yeah, that'd be a great example. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, these are these are all just uh, ideas that we're bandying about. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have if you're listening to this and you have opinions on any of those categories, or if you have suggestions for other categories, please please let us know because yes. um, we may or may not include it in either this show. We do have another. Uh, year wrap-up show called the 52 in review which we've already recorded and released yep. uh, for 2022 but that's more about the films we talked about for the podcast yep so some of the categories may be better suited for that some of them may be better suited for this we really don't know but if you have any further suggestions please uh please write us and let us know yep you can uh contact us on instagram and twitter at sam underscore manny underscore movie um sam what's going on next week next week oh manny it's great 
It's an annual MLB opening day tradition. We're going to talk about a baseball film, and that film this year is one that I've never seen and I've been fucking waiting to watch. The time is here. It's Field of Motherfucking Dreams. (laughs) That's what Manny called it before we went on. I did write down the motherfucking as well in the notes. That's the kind of treatment that it gets. I'm very excited for this. I don't want to go in with too high of expectations because, um, because you know, what happens when you go in with high expectations? Um, I just think I'm going to have fun. I, I think, think you're going to have a great time. I think time. I'm going to have a really good time. It's been like five or six weeks since we reviewed a movie. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? The other Kevin Costner baseball film that we reviewed turned out to be exceptional. Yeah. So. Nobody listened to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and nobody's going to listen to this one either. Um. You you know what Field of Dreams is about, yeah, though, right? That, we don't we don't have to play the Sam's never seen it. No, game. like I know the basic plot of the film. Okay, um, and I know the basic plot that happened in real life too, <laughs> <laughs> back in 1918. But that's another uh, another story. Okay. All right. Uh, so please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you give us a five-star rating and a positive review, we'll increase the profile of our podcast. You can also rate us on Spotify, which we would greatly appreciate. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore Manny underscore movie. You can email us at sammannymoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Letterboxd at Manny42 and Sam Reimer. I think that's everything. Mm-hmm. I always I always stumble when I get to this point. I'm like, I always feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh, we're doing great. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> so excited to start reviewing movies again. No, I'm not complaining. Like this has been fun doing all the the year end wrapping up stuff. Yeah, but now back to the meat and potatoes. Back to that, like, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so for the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. The only thing I do know is that we have to be kind. Please be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios.